heard about the second coming of Christ. Our grandmother used to talk about it. We've heard all of the all the stories, all the invitations, all the stories of those that heard Jesus say that they would see him come back in the clouds of heaven. And sometimes we can become so familiar with something that we fail to realize when it comes upon us. And I believe I believe it's now even at the door of the second coming of Christ. I believe that the Lord has done everything that he said that he would do. The one thing lacking is a worldwide revival where he said, ask of me and I will give you nations as an inheritance. And we've been asking the Lord to touch our community, first of all, to bring all the prodigals home. We want all the prodigals to come home. We want, we want, that, we want that to happen. And then we want our life to be such a light to others that they would see what we have and become jealous and want to go and find where, where, what store are we buying from? What are we drinking? What are we eating? Why are we the way we are? In, in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a moment, Hayden, to find it. I want to share verse 24 and 25. We shared last week about the Beatitudes, and we talked about recovery. We used the acronym, and we left some thoughts with you. And we read from the message, the first few verses of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is ministering to thousands, and he does all the blessed of the pure in spirit. They shall see the kingdom of God, all the Beatitudes. But when you, when you lump the Sermon of the Mount together and you do a, a paraphrase, you simply realize that Jesus is saying we are salt and we are light and we are to make a difference in someone else's life. Watch this. By the way we treat one another. By the way we treat one another, it should impact our community, our neighborhood, the world, our job. The song says, and they will know that we are Christians by our love. How many remember that song? We are one in the Spirit, we're one in the Lord, and they will know we are Christians by our love. Being Christian is not standing on a box and preaching against abortion. Being a Christian is bringing that young lady into your life and taking care of her meals and food and her, her clothes, her medicine, her doctor's appointments, see the baby birth, get her reconnected in a job, get her checking account, go and help her with the car. Come on. Being a Christian, not standing on a box and preaching against drugs or, or alcohol addiction, but it's providing a ministry where people can come and be set free because the Bible says, ye shall know the truth, and the truth you know shall set you free. And he, help me, who the sun sets free, is free indeed. That's the purpose of the church. That's why we are city set on a hill. That's why we are a breath of fresh air to many, especially in the time of, of a funeral. You see the love of God and the peace of God. You can't, you can't explain the peace that passeth all understanding. I can tell you about a rush. I can tell you about a buzz. I can tell you what will happen if I drink too many margaritas. I can tell you what will happen if I eat too many Oxycontins. I can tell you what will happen if I, if I, if I snort too many. I can, explain, I can explain that rush and that buzz, but I cannot explain what I experienced Thursday when the peace of God filled that room and began to touch our hearts and spirits and realize that Tyler was okay, Patsy was okay, they are okay. The Bible says their joy in the presence of the Lord over the death of one, one of his saints. So heaven is happy about what happened. Listen, he wouldn't come back. Patsy wouldn't, I mean, no matter what we try to do, they're not going to come back. They said, no, you're going to come to us, but we're getting ready everything for you. I don't think anybody ever want to leave heaven once they got there. Come on, help, help me with it. So our our, what do you want? Our call, our job, our ministry, our appointment, our destiny is to be a light in a dark place. Notice what Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. I want you to get ready this morning because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock your socks off. I got my socks knocked off this morning just praying about this this morning. So let's look at Hebrews 10 and 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. I am in your life to motivate you. How many knows the difference between motivation and manipulation? Anybody? The spelling. There, if, if I cannot manipulate you in a servant God, I can motivate you in a servant God. That's why we have the Monday night guys coming together. That's why we have the Wednesday night Sunday school learning. That's why we have the Thursday night, the road home, that we're encouraging we're encouraging those to step out of that box, to step out of that bubble, and start being used by God. And if I can stir up your gift, if I can stir up your talent, if I can stir up, tell you what your personality traits are, what the strengths are, what the weaknesses are, and plug and plug you in somewhere you need to be plugged in. Well, 
All the you're turning one years old, all the jobs are covered. The marquee's not covered. I wouldn't mind that marquee was changed every day. I, I really wouldn't. And if somebody has the marquee ministry and you're sitting on your uh, uh, get what you can, sit on the can, if that's what you're doing, get off your can and, and let somebody know I can make a difference in somebody else's life. We're podcasts and we get several hundred uh, visits every week. We need to follow up on some of those. Someone, someone needs to follow up on those prayer requests. I get prayer requests every day on Facebook, every day. And, and you know, I, I, try to, I, try to, I try to pray, but doing my face and hair and everything, it takes a lot of time. I don't have the time I need to uh, pray effectively for everybody. So, so some of you need to step up the plate. Our kids' ministry are phenomenal, but I don't want to burn people out. There are those that need to step up the plate and say, I can touch a child. I can, I can touch a convalescent home. We used to have a ministry every Sunday go to the convalescent home and preach and sing and give an altar call. You know the odds are of someone 85 years old giving their heart to God? You know those odds are? One in a million. But you could be that one voice, that one song, that one acoustic guitar, something God. And so I am here to provoke you, literally, to stir you up for good works and to love one another. Notice the next verse. And forsaking not, 25, the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day is God talking about there? The Bible says in Titus 2 and 13, looking for that blessed hope, and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are watching for something that is called the rapture, or the rapture of the church. We believe that God is going to take us out of the tribulation, place us in his presence, and for seven years there's going to be a wedding. God is going to marry his son to us. How cool is that? At the end of that seven years, God is going to come back riding a white horse with us, with swords in our hands, we're going to fight the armies of the Antichrist, the Battle of Armageddon. We're going to see the enemy cast in the lake of fire for a thousand years. He's going to fall, and we're going to come back and rule this earth. We're going to give altar calls. People will get saved. How many knew that? People get saved in that thousand-year millennium, and then Satan will be released, and he will manage to manipulate, as he did one-third of the angels. He will manage to m manipulate some, and they will come against the army of God, and we will, we will defeat the enemy once and for all and study war no more. The lion will lay down with the lamb, and there will be peace and safety in the presence of God. How cool is that? That's our destiny. That's our inheritance. That's our legacy. That's what God has promised us. Okay, so what is happening right now? Go with me to Matthew 24, 10th chapter. What is happening right now in the calendar of God's watch? What is happening with the, with the chronos time of God? What is happening with the scheduled events? Where, where, where is God at? If you don't know anything else in your study, you need to know the height, width, and depth of Matthew 24. You need to study it. The disciples were showing Jesus how gorgeous the temple was. He led them out, sat on the Mount of Olives, looked at the temple and prophesied destruction. Begin to talk about wars and rumors of wars. Can we relate? Begin to talk about nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, famines, pestilences, in diverse places, weird places. Let me say something, if I can, about earthquakes just for a minute. Romans 8.22 says this, our earth is moaning and groaning in travail as a woman who is pregnant. And I'm sure Brittany could tell us all about that, that, that moaning and groaning going on, all the, all the movement in her tummy. The Bible says the earth is pregnant with something and it's going to birth something. The Bible also says in the last days, except the time be shortened, the very elect would not survive the second coming of Christ. Are you with me on those two, on those two thoughts? Let me tell you what happened February 11th, when the tsunami hit Japan, and the earthquake came, and 27,000 people were, were killed in one moment, the continent of Japan shifted eight feet. Eight is the number of new beginnings. Because the continent shifted eight feet, it tilted the axis of the earth four inches. Anybody that's ever given birth knows that four inches equals 10 centimeters. What happens when a woman dilates to 10 centimeters? That means pretty soon something, something's, hello, something's about to appear. Something's about to show up. 
because the earth is tilted those four inches technically our days now are shorter does that touch anybody in this building that here the Bible says the earth is pregnant we see the plates of the earth shifting they declare that a, a, a tsunami is going to hit California California is going to fall off the ocean and if you have property in Phoenix that will be the new beach I personally believe there's going to be an earthquake everything's going to fall off the ocean except California and only California will survive but I'm a little I'm a little prejudiced in my in my in my in my prophecies we're talking about we're talking about the people the people that know and understand are telling us that our earth is in trouble according to revelation 8 and 9 al gore will get his global warming it will come to pass the glacier that i have touched stood on walked on licked if you've never licked a glacier you've never lived it says do not lick the it does <laughs> do not lick the glacier if it says don't do it that means we do it I've been, to, I've been to Alaska 10, 15 times. Every time I go to this glacier, it is, it is shrinking. Is our glaciers melting? Absolutely. Is there snow like never before? Is there flooding like never before? Look at Florida. Look at, look at Katrina. Look at some things that are happening right now. We have, we have pesticide that will not kill our bugs. Our bugs are immune now to the stuff we're spraying in our food. And we're spraying stuff in our food to such a degree that the hormones are so out of order that five, six, seven-year-old girls have fully developed bodies. And all, the only thing they can explain is because of the hormones in our food and what's happening. This is our life. This is happening right now in our generation. The day is shorter. Technically, the day is shorter. God said, I will shorten the days in, in, in the last days. I mean, how, how exciting is it to know that, that this earth is getting ready to burst something? And Revelation 12 says it's the church of Jesus Christ. It is a, it's a revival that's going to rock the world, multitudes, and the vow decision. Probably something bad has got to happen to turn our nation back to prayer, like, 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 like we did at Go, of Gulf Shore. Something has got to happen in, in the storm, in Desert Storm, that causes us to pray, that gets our president called the country to prayer, but something's going to happen. I don't want to miss it. I want to be ready for what God has, but here's what the Word of God says to us. As you see that day approaching, especially as you see that day approaching, don't give up your place in the kingdom. Don't give up your place in the church. Don't get, give up in, your, in this puzzle. We are not to fit in. We are to fit together. And there's nothing more frustrating. My, my mom will call me at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and say, Hank, will you come over? I, I, we've worked three days on this puzzle, and they do the thousand. They do the hard ones. They've worked three days, and they say, there's one piece missing, and we can't find it. And I will go over there and get on my hands and knees, and they've got this weird shag carpet that hides everything. And, and I will find that, and you ought to see the smile. I mean, it's like you think you give her a candy bar or something. You know, Mama gets all, oh, we got the missing piece. You know what? You might be that missing piece that needs to plug in that you can see God doing what God wants to do with us. As we, as we look at the last days, Matthew 24 and 10, this is where I want to go with in this, in this, in this session this morning. Talking about wars, rumors of wars, all the, all the earthquakes, all nation against nation. It says this, Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. In Luke, the 17th chapter, the first few verses, Jesus talks about offense and here's what he says you're not going to live your life without offense there are things that are going to hurt your feelings there are things going to rub you the wrong way there are things you're going to get irritated about you're not going to be treated right in every situation you're not going to like everything that happens to you and jesus infers that there are people that go out of their way to try to spread strife and discord uh, Proverbs 7 and 17. And Jesus says about those people that purposely go out of the way to try to destroy the church or the kingdom of God, the spirit of accusation, the spirit of betrayal, it would be better for you to tie a rock around that person's neck and throw them off a bridge than to be that person because God is going to judge the person that spreads discord in the kingdom of God. And we are so bad to fail to realize it takes two to gossip. You've got the gossip four and they got the gossip eight. But, 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 but if there's no gossipy, the gossip poor cannot gossip. Am I helping any, anybody? We used to have guidelines in this house several years ago that anytime somebody came to us with a negative report, we would say, okay, write that, write that down in a paragraph and sign it, and we'll get it the person that's, that, that's done all this, and we'll make it right. 
once you ask them to put their name on paper, they, they don't have any complaints anymore. They don't have any gripes anymore. Isn't it funny? We are so bad to want to sniff out every story. The word offense in the Greek, are you ready for this? Is scandalon. That's where we get the word scandal. And that's what happens when you talk bad about somebody. Listen, whether it's true or whether it's not, if there's some things in someone's life that you know about, here's what the Bible says. Love covers a multitude of sins. Someone asked me this morning what speculative spot had meant 20 years ago. This church was, was made up of drug addicts, alcoholics, lesbians, Satanists. Everybody was welcome. Everybody was welcome. And that's where we got the thought speckled and spotted. And now here we are 20 years later. Those that were here 20 years ago are healthy, whole families, businesses, being used of God, being loved of God. I mean, how, how cool is that? That's what the kingdom of God is. That's what the kingdom of God is all about, is people coming and recovering. We are the lobby of a hospital. And I don't, if you cut your hand off, you go to the emergency room and you see somebody you hate, you don't leave the hospital and go to earth. Hello. You want to get help. You don't care if you got curlers on. You don't care. Man, I've gone to the lobby looking pretty rough in some, in some of the times I've been sick. And I didn't care who was there. It's kind of like, and, I, and, and, and Brittany, this day will come. The last five minutes of giving birth, you could care less who's watching. You could care less who's seeing. You, know, you got those legs open wide. You, you say, I don't care who's watching. Come on. let the, am, I, am I telling the truth? We are not. Did I make it too plain? <laughs> When, uh, Ron, when Pastor Rhonda was, I got, I got two cool stories. When Pastor Rhonda was, was breathing, I reached over and, and rubbed her arm, and she looked at me, those uh, uh, exorcist eyes, and goes, don't touch me. <laughs> and then when, when Courtney was born, I got confused. And I thought it was a boy. I go, what a boy. I saw the umbilical cord. I thought it was a boy. And, the doc, and, and Pastor Rhonda's landing goes, what is it? I go, it's a boy, and the doctor looks at me like I got three heads and said, "It's a girl." So in that in that moment of bringing, uh, I am never going to redeem this, am I? I am never going to get this back. I mean, this is a this is a lost cause this morning. This this scandalon, the word scandalon, the word offense. Can I show you what a scandalon is? Would anybody like to see what a scandalon is? Let me show you what a scandalon is. This is a rat trap. Learn this early in life. The earlier bird gets the worm, the second rat gets the cheese. <laughs> Very simple procedure. You pull this thing back right here, and you lock it in place like that, and you put that little knot thing right there, and it comes back and whacks your finger and breaks it. You see that right there? See that little thing right there? If you push that, this thing's going to... Paul is going to let me hit his fingers with this. Where are you, Paul? You see the little thing right here? The enemy wants to put something that looks good. Smells good. Tastes good. And convinces us you can't live without it. And he'll take he'll take whatever he can to get your attention. And if you've ever watched Stuart Little or you watch the ministry of a mouse, all the mouse does is sniff. I think a lot of Christians would be better if they stopped using their nose and start using their mouth and praying for people rather than trying to sniff them out. Come on, that was that was a good word. That was a good word. Let me, let me tell you what the enemy will not do to try to snare you or hook you. Where's Pastor Todd? Pastor Todd, show us what the enemy will not do. As many of you know, I go fishing in Texas quite often. In Texas, everything's bigger. So this is my lure that I use in Texas. Now that's a lure. That's a lure. I also have a knife that goes along with this lure. Now that's a knife. I mean, who in their right mind, would let me put that in their jaw, crank it, and bury that barbed hook. In. Who, who, would, who would let me do that? I mean, who's into body piercings? Where's our body piercing? I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, who, who would like, look, the enemy is not going to use this to try to snare you. Guess what the enemy is going to try to use? 
Come on. We got a match. Watch this. From birth, we've always been fascinated with fire. How many have started a fire when we were five and almost burnt something down? I caught my shirt on fire, went to the hospital, should have died. The doctors have me scarred the rest of my life. A.A. A. Allen laid hands on me, looked a bandage off there without a single scar. The enemy knows that desire to burn things. I mean, come on. And, and, so, and so introduce us, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. Where are those who are bound by drugs that would say the first drug I ever used was tobacco? Lift your hand. Let me see it. First drug I ever used was tobacco. See, that's what the enemy will do. And then if he can hook you with that, he'll try to hook you with this. And it says one every four hours. We take four every hour. Do we get to place for spending $20, $40 a pill for a hydro or an oxy? Or we're going to the trunk of a car and letting somebody crank up some meth. And we're putting chemicals in our body that will destroy us, that will create monsters on our arm. We'll start scratching holes in our arm because we're hallucinating. We think that things are eating us alive. And, if, and when he, and he was done with this, he will always use, watch this. There are people not here today because this has got them hooked. There are people in life that can't serve God because the love of money is their God. There's nothing evil about this. It's this answers problems. The Bible says that money answereth all things. Used correctly, this is a tool that God has given us. It is not to be our God. It's not to control us. And there is a God worse than this one in our pocket. At the age of 10, Christine realizes that there's a limit to cash. So she wants the card. Can I tell you the only thing that this is good for? And, and uh, Josh and, and, and uh, Pastor Bryce will appreciate this. What this is good for? Guitar picks. Chris, I'm telling the truth. This makes an excellent case. Okay, a little big. You can cut it, cut it down. Cut it down a little. <laughs> well, you saw the lure I use. I mean, you know i got to have a, a big guitar pick. Try to trap us because many are offended. The love of many shall wax cold. Then it talks about this gospel being preached all the world to witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. Right now at 12,000 miles an hour circling our earth, there are three satellites, TBN, CNN, and Daystar. And those satellites right now are putting the gospel of Jesus Christ into every single country of the world. The Bible doesn't say every person has to hear. The Bible says every nation has got to hear. And then what does it say? And then shall the income. We are living in the last of the last days. We're at a place right now. We can't let anything distract us, anything hurt, hurt us, any, anything, anything take our joy. Proverbs 17 and 18, somewhere there, it says this. It's easier to capture a city than to win a brother that's been offended. I've watched, I've watched in life as I have done things that have offended people. I, I offended a couple. It took 10 years to heal, and I can't get rid of them. It took 10 years of phone calls. It took 10 years of hurt in ministry. Would not answer my call. Would not let me take them out to eat. Would not, uh, was, was praying with the wife and, and giving the wife counsel and, and encouraged her to go to another church. Maybe he would go to that church. He did. He started going, and they came to a place in life where they wanted to grow. And God healed our relationship. And we meet every week now. We have accountability. We meet every week. But 10 years ago, I offended them such a degree, I thought it was never going to be restored. We have spent trillions of dollars in Baghdad. We've not captured it yet. It's worth whatever it takes to heal someone that's hurt, that they're not offended, and they don't lose sight of what God has for them. Go with me, if you will, to 1 Samuel. And today's message is brief. The 20th chapter, the 18th verse, Patrick Todd, if you will, bring me an empty chair. That'll work. He'll set it right here. Make sure I put that $10 bill back in my pocket before Paul gets it. You guys were complaining about rats at the, take this, bring me a dead rat next Sunday. I'll use that in my sermon. Dead rat. Are you ready? 
David as a child was a worshiper. Loved God, the eighth son. God sent the prophet to the house of Jesse to anoint the king of Israel. When they got to the house, Jesse brought all seven of his sons, handsome, good-looking, tall, strong, muscular warriors. And as Samuel passed by every one, God said, that's not the one. Went through all seven and looked at Jesse and said, don't you have another son? Oh, yeah, the baby. Can you imagine being the baby and being looked over ministry opportunity? Can you imagine being young in the Lord and being passed over for things you'd like to do in the kingdom because you're too young? Can you imagine how David must have felt living in the, in the wilderness, laying down his life for his father's sheep? The Bible says there was a bear, and the Bible says there was a lion, and he knew that if he went home minus a sheep, his dad would be very unhappy. So to please his dad, he killed the lion, he killed the bear, and while he was in the in the outdoors, Josh, it only takes a while to get the sheep where they need to be, feed them, get them down for the night. He had hundreds of hours spare time. See what he did? He took something and mastered it. He took the anointing of music and mastered it. He was so in tune with the worship of heaven that he could play and demons would flee the spirit of Saul. How cool is that? David hears about a battle taking place. All of his brother at war. Dad sends him with cheese and bread. He goes to the battle, and there he sees Goliath. Some say 13-2. Some say that his sword weighed over 150 pounds. The Bible says that Goliath stood and shouted curse at God's people. And the Bible says everybody ran, including David. Listen, it's easy to get caught up in the crowd and to go with the crowd. When Jesus was working miracles and feeding the multitude, they were with him. But Susie, the moment Jesus used the C word, the S word, the committed word, the sacrifice word, he said, unless you eat my body and you drink my blood, you won't inherit. When he started talking about discipleship and maturity, guess what? The multitude walked away. And guess who walked with them? The disciples. Jesus got his feelings hurt, got offended. He said, guys, will you leave me also? Every minister has a leave me mentality. Every, every, a pastor cannot stand for anybody to get hurt and leave the church for any reason. Can't, can't stand it. And Jesus felt that. Will you? And Peter looked and said, where will we go? Where will we go? You're, you, you, you are the... So David gets to battle. Goliath shouts. David gets caught up in what peer pressure? They ran, he ran. Then all of a sudden he realized... Stand up a minute. Now, go ahead. We're well, not that big. <laughs> you know what? You think you're all that in a bag of chips? I ripped a lion with my bare hands. I got a, a bear in a bear hug. Pardon the pun. Thank you, David. <laughs> Choked him to death. Ripped his mouth out. Stabbed him with my knife. David realized, what'd you say? One-third the kingdom? And the king and the king's daughter? Whoa! And all I got to do is what? Bring his head on a platter? Well, that can't be too hard. And he did it. He did it. Took him down. He said, Thou comes to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day will I take thy head from thee, and I will feed thy carcass to the wild beasts of the earth, the fowls of the air, that all the earth may know there's a God in Israel. There was something at stake. The name of God was at stake. Either God is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do, or we may as well go do something else with our life. He expects us, go ahead, give a hand clap, afraid. He expects us to open our mouth and be used, be used for something. They come back from battle. Saul and, Saul and David walking side by side. All the moms begin to sing a song saying, Saul has killed his thousands. But all the handmaidens, the next generation, Pastor Bryce begin to sing, yes, but David has killed his tens of thousands. No, he hadn't. He only killed one. But prophetically, there was a destiny in his life. And the handmaidens of God saw it. And, and sure enough, David on several occasions killed thousands of the enemy 
while Saul chased him. David becomes connected to Jonathan, Saul's son. Loved Jonathan. They were close. 1 Samuel 20 and 18 says this. Tomorrow is the feast of the new moon. And thou will be missed because your seat will be empty. There are people that are not in church today. Their seat is empty because they've been offended. There are people not in church today because a husband has abandoned them. Or a dad has abandoned them. Or they got their feelings hurt. Go quickly to Psalms 55. Uh, Hayden, try to find this. I mean, not try. I know you'll find it. That freak out when I put that cigarette in my mouth? Was that a weird... <laughs> Don't try this at home. Psalm 55, verse 12. We're going to do 12, 13, and 14. Watch this, guys. It was not an enemy that offended me or reproached me. Then I could have borne it. I mean, we expect our enemy to hate us, don't we? We expect our enemy to say bad things about us, don't we? We know how to take care of ourselves when the enemy comes around. Nor, watch this, was it he that hateth me that did magnify himself? There's going to be people in life that hate you. I'm sorry. The, the Bible says beware when all men speak well of you. When you're doing what God has called you to do, there are others that see you're doing what they should be doing. Hello. And to justify because they're not doing what they should be doing, they hate you. They'll make fun of you, talk behind your back, talk in front of you, talk right to your face. Watch what he says. It was not an enemy or someone that hated me. Then I could have hid myself from him. Next verse. But it was you. Watch this. A man my equal, my guide, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together. Watch the next verse. And walked under the house of God in company. Watch this. It won't be the gas station attendant. We don't have those anymore, do we? <laughs> Forget that. It won't be the clerk at Walmart that hurts your feelings. It won't be the, 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 the cashier at Taco Bell that hurts your feelings. We don't like them. We just go to another Taco Bell. We got five to choose from. Two Walmarts. Udawal has Athens. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's not the world that's going to offend us. It's somebody that we let close. And watch this. He says this. Appear. Eye to eye. We walked together. We worked together. We tried to build the kingdom together. You hurt me. My guide, a pastor, a mentor. There are people today that, that are pursuing divorce. And I've had to counsel them and say, no, you can't get a divorce. Just because mega ministries are getting divorced doesn't make it right. Do you hear, pastor? What's going on does not make it right. And we don't stop loving them and praying for them, but we hate what they're doing. God said, I hate divorce. I hate it. And if God hates it, then we've got to hate it. And I, I, don't want, I don't want you to do something. I don't want you to fall and do something wrong because you see me fall and do something wrong. I'm real careful with the guys about the movies I watch. I'm careful with them. They've, I don't know if they've ever seen me lose my coal, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I try not to cuss. I'm not always successful, but I try. I try when I'm around the opposite sex to be, to be, to be pure, to be holy, because I don't want to offend anybody, because when you get offended by a pastor, you're offended. And then, then he said, watch this. My acquaintance, friends, it's only the people that you let get close to you that can hurt your feelings. And here's what the Word of God says in Matthew 12. It says, bring your gift to the altar. Every one of you guys, I don't, I don't, know, how to, I don't know how to enunciate this enough. Every one of you have a gift, whether it's a testimony, whether it's a song, whether it's an encouraging word, whether it's a $5 bill, whether it's to pull a weed, touch a class, clean a bathroom. Every single one of you have gifts. And I'm talking about the spiritual gifts, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, healing, faith, prosperity, all the things that are attached. And here's what God says. When you bring your gift to the altar and your heart is pure, your hands are clean, and your eyes are open, Holy Ghost will begin to convict you about someone in your life that either you're upset with them or they're upset with you, and you know it. A lot of, a lot of prayers are not answered by a husband and wife. The Bible says if you've got something going on with your wife or husband, I can't answer your prayer. 
So that, that's, that, 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 that relationship has got to be pure. You don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And you do whatever it takes to work it out, to sort it out. So, here, so here's what's happened. We're, we're, we're bringing all of our gifts. We've got a test. We've got a song. We've got money. We want to give to God. God said, leave your gift there and go to the brother that you know that's offend- You know they're offended. You know they're offended. You've done something or someone's told you. If you've watched them, their attitude wasn't the same. There was something wrong. And listen, guys, everybody gets offended. We try not to get offended. And I'll, I'll, I'll illustrate that in just a minute. We, we, especially if, if you've ever been a guest at a church, when we go to a church, they bring a big basket and all kinds of little goodies, and people want you to sign their Bibles and take pictures with their babies and my guy, someone told me today, the ashes of the red heifer changed their life. We've got the, your sermon changed my life. We don't that great of a sermon. But it was, you know, it was, it was good, I guess. So it's, it's fun. I'm preaching this pulpit 52 times a year, and maybe in that 52 weeks, three people come up and say, my God, that was a great sermon. I guess I don't preach good here. <laughs> I don't get offended. But when you call me, I don't answer. <laughs> I look at your call and, and when I go deer hunting, it's not that, that buck I see at your face in that scope. <laughs> Just kidding. Look at somebody and say, he's not really kidding, but who he's preaching at aren't here, so he's wasting our time. You see it? My wife can offend me. My best friend can offend me. My pastor can offend me. Somebody I go to church with can offend me. Here's what he said. Leave your gift there. Go to your brother and make it right. And look at somebody and say, the punctuation there is not a semicolon. It's not a hyphen. It's a period. Go to your brother and make it right. Period. There are three reasons why we do not go to our brother and make it right. And I thought just for the fun of it today, I would bring to your attention, and we're going to be done by 12. I was going to bring to your attention a little clip that I found concerning forgiveness. Are we ready? Let's get this all set up just for all the timing, everything be right, lights, camera. I sure wish I could invite you into the kitchen for some coffee and victuals, but Granny's so mean and cantankerous when it comes to... Pearl, forgive me. I'm the one that set the law on you. Please forgive me, Pearl. I'm so ashamed. Forgive me, Pearl. Don't let Jim throw me out of the class. You set the law on me? Oh, I know, Pearl. Awful law on me. Step on me, Pearl. Step on me. Step on me like you would a worm. Flop on me. Grind your feet on me. Break it Pearl. Mr. Policeman, run over me. I don't deserve to live. Run over me and throw my poor old mean body to the buzzard. All right, Granny, now that's enough. But Pearl hasn't forgiven me yet. Mr. Policeman, give your gun to Pearl and let her shoot me. Don't let me stop that. Put a curse on me, Pearl. I forgive you, I forgive you. But I deserve to be punished and punished bad. Sing to me, Pearl. Maybe Pearl's upset she forgives you. Am I taken back to the clan? Am I welcome to the bosom of my family? I reckon. Pearl, you are an angel. You can have anything I got anytime. You can have any part of my kitchen. Throw me out of it. Set the dogs on me. Take your granny into the house, please. Sure, Ma. Did you want her? No, I didn't want her. Walk me, Pearl. Oh, Jesus, I'm in the house. Come on in the house and walk me, Pearl. I don't want to freak the youth out. They probably have never seen black and white TV, but that's the way it used to be. Amen. Now, here's, here's the reflection. If you went to somebody you knew that was hurt at you and you had that attitude that Granny had, you could heal that relationship and you could turn it around and two are better 
than one. They've determined how much weight one ox can pull, and it's a lot. And when they hook another ox up to it, you would think it would double. It does not quadruples. If one can turn a thousand, two can turn ten thousand. If you do the math, three can turn a hundred thousand. The enemy tries his best to separate us, hurt us, wound us. Jonathan loved David. And Jonathan told David, there's a seat assigned to you. Listen, guys. There's a piece of this puzzle assigned to you. There's, God, has, God has given you direction, destiny, purpose, that you're connected to the body. When the tree falls, when the leaf falls from the tree, it harms not the tree. Hello. But the leaf is lost. Enemy wants to separate you from your covering, separate you from leadership, separate from your pastor, separate from your mentors. He'll lie, steal, and kill just to do it. Like a, like, a, like a mouse that's constantly sniffing. The enemy is constantly trying to throw things out there to tempt us, to distract us. There's a, there's a statement made in the news world today, if it bleeds, it leads. Very few sto stories about humanitarians, very few stories about Good Samaritans, very few stories about someone who gives their wealth away to try to find the cure. Very few, we, we, don't, we, we don't feed on that. We, feel, we feed if it's violent or aggressive or somebody get, it gets beat up. It's our nature. It's a sin nature. And here's what Jonathan told David. I love you. And if you're not there tomorrow, you're going to be missed. And your seat will be empty. Every time we allow the enemy to hurt us or wound us or distract us, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to be very, 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 very kind about what I say. If the weather keeps you out of the house of God, then it should keep you from going shopping. Does that help anybody? If you're in a place in your life where your vehicle, you don't have enough gas to get to church, you shouldn't have enough gas to go to Walmart. Church should be the number one thing in your life. You should have to drag your kids away from this facility. Your children before church on Wednesday night or Sunday should be pulling on your coat saying, when are we going to church? When are we going to church? Have so much fun with Christine. Christine has been joining me on the road home. And if, if you on Thursday night at 7, if you are having struggles with any kind of addictions, any kind of challenge, you know something that is, it's just a time of encouragement and blessing. But you've got to be careful what you say in front of a child. I was talking on the phone. They said, well, what is Thursday night? I said, well, we have people that were hooked on drugs. They're coming, and they're, they're clean, they're, and we're, walks, we're sorting some things out. You know, they're, they're drug addicts. And so later that evening, Christine said, Dad, can I go hang out with the drug addicts? And, of course, she got right there in the middle of quote of scripture, got the $10, did all the, had, all, had, all, had all the fun. So, so I, mean, I mean, words are so dangerous and so powerful that, that we, we – we let things slip that we really don't, come on, we really don't, we really don't mean, especially stuff, when we unload on our wife, we really don't need that, we really don't mean that. Great house, great attendance, I will leave here today though worried, because I know what some of these empty chairs represent, and by 12 o'clock tomorrow, I will convince Pastor Rhonda, I need to get a job at Walmart as a supervisor. Matter of fact, I have written over 100 letters of resignation, the challenge is there's no one to send it to. Marcus is too busy, and Perry's always gone somewhere. I can't, I can't resign. And Pastor Rodney tears up a letter. Goes, she goes, you, a, a few weeks ago, she said, you have got to go to church today. You've got to. I said, why? I don't have to go. I, I should have the right to stay home like everybody else. She says, because I don't have a word, and you're on. Okay, I'll go. I've got the You say, well, pastors don't think. Oh, sure we do. When you take your kids to another youth group instead of coming to ours, here's my feelings. When you take your kid or the children, you know what? You know what your empty chair says? The sermon it preaches? I'm going to tell you whether you want to or not. Let's go. We'll, we'll be careful. When your kids aren't where they need to be, you're saying to the children's ministry, this children's ministry is not good enough for me to sow or dedicate my time. I'm taking my kids somewhere else. You're saying to the youth ministry, we don't care that you have a, a guy and girl that were virgins on their wedding night. We don't care that you're, you have a drama team, your youth camp whatsoever. We're going to go to a church that's cool, got all the lights and all the fancy. That's what you're saying. 
when your when your chair is empty on Wednesday night, you're saying to our Sunday school teacher, Pastor Rhonda, it's not deep enough, it's not rich enough, it's not good enough. I'd rather go to Kiwanis. Whew, it's quiet now. I'm I'm into it though. When you're not in your chair, you're saying to Mike and 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 Chris. You guys are good, but you're not great. The worship's not all that great. It's not good enough to motivate me to come and worship God for an hour. This would be a good time to say amen, somebody. You're saying to your pastor and to your saints, no matter how good you prepare, no matter what you do, it's not good enough for me to show up. Guess what it says to the, to the, to the person that would come and visit? They come. They see your chair is empty. Well, it's not even good enough for their own people to show up. I'm going to finish it. I've got it here. I've got three more. I've got, I got, I got four more points. Point number four, we'll go backwards. You're saying to the sinner, why serve God? We don't. You're saying to God, not even the gift of your son that changed our life and set us free is good enough. You're saying to Jesus, your blood ain't getting it, your blood ain't good enough, and you're saying to the devil, you won. Touchdown. Now, those are faithful because it would be a good time to clap, shout, wave, jerk, do something. Let's turn it around. It's easier to win a city than it is to win a brother offended. Let's turn around. Win a brother offended and you'll win a city. Let's say it again. Win a brother offended, you'll win a city. Jesus sent them out, Luke 10, two by two in couples. They went to cities, watch this, that he would have gone to, but he couldn't go because time was running out. He was going to die. He said, you go. If they receive you, plant, save, heal, raise the dead. If they don't receive you, shake the dust, go to another city. You win a brother offend, and you guys start walking in unity. He falls down. You'll pick him up. He gets cold. You'll give him warmth. He comes under attack. You'll be there to defend him. You see the importance, the, the importance of fitting together. You see the importance of of not being offended, many shall offend, be offended, shall betray one another, and hate one another. Fine line between dislike and hate. When people purposely go out of the way to, to, to hurt you, to wound you, we went through a season in our life where somebody was coming by our driveway and throwing a handful of roofing nails. Grandma Carolyn's car, Pastor Ronald's car, Courtney's car, my truck, we, re, we, we replaced 16 tires. You multiply 16 times 200, that's how much it costs. We got, we got cameras set up. We had to get cameras set up to watch, to watch our driveway. And I knew who did it. I knew who did it. I was told who did it. And this person had illegally recorded some conversations of me talking to my wife on a cell phone, which is a felony. My lawyer said, press charge, throw him in prison. My attitude was, no, he's without God. And if I do anything to him, it, it will drive him so far away, he'll never get right with God. Bad things are going to happen to good people. Persecution is going to come. Attacks going to come. There's people not going to like the way you painted their house, not like the way you fixed their car. They're not going to like, they're, they're, I mean, it, it's the nature that we live in from the crib, from, from the crib to, the, to, the, to the coffin. It's all about us. It really is. But the word of God is saying, maybe if you'll allow it to be about somebody else, you can make a difference and you can change. You can change somebody else's life. It is my goal today, and Pastor Ron and I, we have discussed, and, and, and there's a list, and we're narrowing it. We're narrowing it. We're, we're ministry is helping us go through this list. And anybody that's hurt me or wounded me or, or sued me, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to slowly but surely mentally. You hear what Pastor's saying? And you know what? I feel like that since I've been doing that, I've been sleeping better at night. I haven't been worried as I haven't been worried as much. I actually love dogs. Tried to bring one in yesterday, and Pastor Ronna said, "No, I'll be the one that has to take care of it." I went, "Don't don't let Christine hear that." Something happens when your head hits the pillow, and you say this: "Took my gift, left it." Listen, whether they receive you or not, that's not the importance. Samuel told God. They hate me. God said, no, Samuel, they hate me. I'm not going to judge you for how they receive you. I'm going to judge you how you're faithful and obedient to me. You do what God has called you to do. There will be a special anointing. There will be a special favor, special blessing. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed, just for a moment. Don't let the enemy 
snare you with a piece of cheese or a pack of cigarettes for a bottle of pills or the love of money or a plastic credit card. Live this week victoriously. You're here today and you don't know the Lord as your Savior and you like what you've seen. You like the music. You like the humor. You like the service. You like the attitude, the ambiance. You like this. You say, I would like to be a part of this. Don't embarrass me, but I'd like, I'd like to make things right with God. I'd like to be a part of this. If you don't embarrass me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. Pray for me this week that I, I turn some things over to God. If that's where you're at today, just put your hand up. Put it right back down. Yes. The word says that there is joy in the presence of God over one sinner that repents. If this whole service today was about one young lady, it's worth it all. If this young one, that young lady makes heaven her home because of this service, it's worth it all. Father, thank you for the blood of your son. Thank you for the gift of Calvary. Thank you that you told us not just to sit on our hineys and do nothing, but you gave us an aggressive, progressive attitude to go out and take back what the enemy has stolen. The kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We know the truth. We're liberated by the truth, and we go and pursue to give that truth away as quickly as we can. Before our head hits the pillow tonight, if there's someone in our life that we have ought against, a family member, a boss, a pastor, a friend, a peer, a, a mentor, someone in our life, an ex-husband, ex-wife, ex-mother ex and father-in-law, an ex-boss, ex-employee, there's someone in our heart that we have ought against, and we know they have ought against us. Give us wisdom. Let us know what to say. Let us know how to approach. Let us know how to apply. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. And you all said, amen. Did you enjoy the service today? Did you enjoy what God is doing, what God is saying? There are, there are many that flat. You're just not going to come back this afternoon and do bingo. We understand that. We, we, understand, we, we, we understand that. But Church of the Harvest has a lot of confidence in youth camp. The reason you see the kids in the first four or five rows, the reason you see them worshiping and praising, is that's, the what, that's what they do every Wednesday night. They have their own praise team, their own sanctuary, their own sound system, first-class audio. That's how, they, that's how they worship in their, in their sanctuary. And they worship like that because there was a breakthrough. Remember David talked about God, Baal Perizim, the God of the breakthrough? There was a breakthrough at youth camp. Something happened. Their, their parents weren't there. Their peers weren't there. There was no. There was no nothing. Nothing hindering them. They got on their face and they found. They found their place with God. It's like when Jacob wrestled with the Lord and, and had his name changed. Something happens at youth camp. I I was with Perry a few days ago when he felt like, I think he felt called to preach at a youth camp, and he's building right now one of the best youth camps in the nation. That's his goal. Marcus talked to me. Marcus has preached youth camps.